Well, after, after last week's snow experience and us being in Richmond, I mean, as soon as a snowflake falls, it's like milk and bread sandwiches for everyone. Oh no, what's happening? I did see a snowflake fall. And so uh, just to let you, let you know, but we're so glad those of you who are here that are with us this morning are here. And those of you that are online staying nice and warm, uh, we love that you are here with us this morning as well. Sundays can be a very exhausting for me. Hopefully that's okay for me to admit to, to you guys. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, sometimes it's probably, I, I think it's my most exhausting day. Uh, sometimes it's all I can do to get home after eating lunch and turn on football or golf and fall asleep on the couch. Anybody, anybody do the same thing? The Sunday afternoon nap is the most religious uh, thing that you can participate in. It's just an amazing, I see uh, people like pointing fingers at other people for it. Uh, that, that, that's, that, that's great. And I get it. Like I, some of you are, uh, are thinking, what in the world? How could this possibly be? Because I'm not up here lifting weights. I'm not running. I'm not doing cardio. You know, th- those things are not, not happening. Uh, but there are two things that contribute, I think. So it's not physically being tired necessarily. There are a couple things that contribute. Every time I'm here, there's a moderate level of stress that I feel. And look, I'm not, I'm, not looking for, I'm not looking for sympathy, I'm not looking for notes of encouragement or anything like this. I, I'm not fishing, fishing for anything, I'm just kind of explaining a couple things to you. It's because of how significant I think that these moments that we gather together are. And that's, that's, where, that's where it comes from. We are first and foremost here to worship God, uh, to worship God with each other. And there is such an important opportunity that we have in these moments, not just, not just on Sunday morning, but in these moments to celebrate our relationship with Jesus, to grow in that relationship and to share it with others in these, in these moments. So especially when preaching, like right now, I feel the weight of responsibility of teaching and preaching uh, scripture. Uh, sure, I don't want to mess up. I mean, that's, that's one of the things, but I do that plenty of times. And, and you can, some of you can remember some of those times and, and you'll share them with me because they'll be regular jokes, and that's fine. I enjoy that. I think, I think it's amazing. So I don't, I don't want to mess up, sure. I'm long past having to visualize people in their underwear. I'm not sure how that has ever supposed to have helped in public speaking. Um, I've never found that to be helpful at all, so I don't do that, and you might be grateful to know that. Uh, but when we contend with the Word of God in our lives, the implications are so eternally staggering that can be overwhelming uh, at, at times. Most of the time. So I take this very seriously, and so that's kind of, a, that's kind of draining a little bit, uh, and in a good way. And then the second thing is that I just don't gain energy from being around large groups of people. And some of you know what I'm talking about when I, when I say that. It's, it has nothing to do with whether or not I want to be here. I absolutely want to be here. We're here even though the you know, second blizzard of 2022 is coming down around us right now. Uh, yeah, maybe there's some uh, snowflake or two out there. Um, it has, it has, it has nothing, nothing to do with that. I want to be here. It's just that talking and hanging out on a large scale, I mean, it's just tiring for me. It's just my personality. That's what it is. So when worship here ends, it doesn't just end for me because I continue on in worship through food and nap time. That's a, that's a thing that I continue my worship on in, uh, in on Sunday mornings. Now, if I didn't believe we were better together, one of the options I have could be to not show up on a Sunday morning. That would be fun. The responsibility would be lifted, the stress would be over. I could, you know, instead of taking a nap on Sunday afternoon, I could sleep in on Sunday morning, have brunch, like that, that could be an option. I've joked about this before with my wife Renee, and I said, what if I just didn't show up this morning? Not, not necessarily because I was having a bad day, but I was feeling a little bit um, 
I don't know. I just think it would be funny, you know, just not to, no, I don't see a whole lot of, okay, I see some chuckles here, here and there. I think it would be funny just to not show up and just kind of see, you know, it'd be cool to be a fly on the wall and just kind of see what the activity, would anybody notice? Would that be a thing we'd just get up to, you know, Chip might, might notice a little bit. He'd be like, all right, we're finishing up our songs that we're, I don't see Rob in the back. What's going on here? Who's going to preach? Like what, what's going to happen? And so what if I just didn't come? I mean, there's some times where it's healthy for me not to be here. Like, I need to take vacation. My family and I need to have breaks. It's good for me not to be here every single Sunday of the year. But those are always planned, uh, and there's somebody, like, on, on the hopper to come and preach and, and to be here and share. In this scenario, though, there'd be somewhat of a noticeable gap, I think, during the sermon time. Just kind of everybody sit down, just kind of wait, look around. I wonder how long it would take before we get awkward. I know for a professor, there are tears for how long you wait for them when they show up for class, you know, depending on their degree and that kind of thing. So I don't know how many minutes you guys think I would be worth to sit and wait before you leave <laughs> early. It would be disruptive to say the least. People would wonder what's going on. It would be somewhat noticeable. And it's not just because it's me. That would be the case for anybody who does anything when it comes to our worship. All functions on Sunday morning, if we had staff not show up, if we had volunteers not show up, uh, sermon, music, you know, if we had small group leaders not show up or our hosts, like, have all the lights off and not be home when you show up and you're ready to have small group and for the start, it would be pretty, pretty noticeable. And sometimes I think that when we don't have a specific role to play on a Sunday, or if we don't have a specific role to play in a small group or, or something else is, is going on in the life, life of the church, that we think our presence is inconsequential. That maybe it doesn't really matter all that much. Because really, I'm, I mean, it's not my responsibility to come in today and give the sermon, right? So it doesn't really matter if, if I show up. But you would be mistaken. Because while serving as members of a church body is an integral part of how we are better together, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a couple weeks, there's a way in which it matters even more that we are with each other. Let me give a little bit of a caveat here. Our personal spiritual disciplines are incredibly important. They matter a great deal. The solitude, silence before God, the prayer, the scripture reading and study, living out our salvation, those are all invaluable. We need those things when it comes to our thought and heart life with God. A healthy personal component to our relationship with God is absolutely necessary. It's always needed. It's just not the end all and be all. It doesn't stop there when it comes to getting closer to God. Where it all really shines and comes together is among each other. Otherwise, we're withholding the blessing of God in our lives from sharing that with others and withholding it from blessing the lives of other people. Our relationship with God is always better with one another's relationship with God. And so think back to that Sunday presence. Does it really matter if I'm here or not? Or small group, does it really matter if, I'm, if I don't have a specific you know, task that I've got to accomplish and check off the box? Does it really matter if I'm there? What kind of presence valuation do we give ourselves in the faith lives of other people? I think many of us think that it's not that big of a deal if we're not at church any given Sunday. And I'm not saying there's something inherently wrong with that. Sometimes we have vacations. Sometimes there's a pandemic. Sometimes there's snow coming down. You know, there, there's things that, that happen. Sometimes we're sick. Um, no, one indiv no one individual in a congregation is more valuable than any other. And so, I, like, I, t I, I understand where that thought process is, but that also means that we have a lot more value than we think we do. The diminished importance and absence that sometimes we think we have can only be true if the church is just an organization 
or if it's just the building, or it's just the experience that's being presented, or if it's just a religious right, you know, something that we've got to check off the box. But it's actually not any of those things. The church is the assembling together of disciples of Jesus gathered to worship and be on mission as followers of Jesus. And at any time there's a piece missing, it matters to the whole. Now, if I keep going this way, uh, it might sound like this is a sermon that's about church attendance, but it's really not about that. I promise it's really not about that. I'm using that as an example, just as a way to kind of helpfully shift our thinking in how much we matter and are valuable to the faith journeys and the lives of other people. Because a lot of times I think we sell ourselves short in that regard. How important you are to me in my faith journey in God. How important you are to the person who's sitting next to you in their faith journey in God and your presence in their lives. I'm, I'm just using church example, church attendance as one example of how our presence matters. This is just a drawing attention to the value that togetherness of followers of Jesus we bring to the table. And it's much more involved than just one hour in, in a week. You could be here every single Sunday without fail. You could be here Sunday night. I mean, we're not here Sunday night, but you could be here Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's, that's what we did as a, as a kid growing up. You could be here all the time, and you could still be here and be completely and utterly alone. You could choose that in your relationship with other people. So whether you're here in person or online, or if you're in a small group during the week, or you work, or you're at the gym during the week, whether you're watching Snowfall, uh, don't miss, you're at school, where, wherever it is throughout the week, don't miss that our individual impact in the lives of other people are instrumental to one another's journeys of faith. Community with each other is what grows our individual communion with, with God. That all happens in concert together. Granted, there might be some monks that disagree with me, um, but, but I, I think I can handle them. But as people who are created in God's image, and we're just going to flash Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27 on there, so that's what I'm referencing. As people who are created in God's image, we need to see God at work in and through one another's lives as we are partnered with God in how he is moving in life. Together, we are the friendly voices and faces that people need to see. Together, we are the people who check in on each other. Together, we are the ones who stop and pray for one another. Together, we are the ones who show up when one of us is in need. Together, we are the ones who show up when it's time to mourn. Together, we are the ones who show up when it's time to celebrate. Together, we are the ones who mutually put our opinions aside so that we can be gathered around what is most important. Together, we are reaching and teaching with the gospel. Together, we are called to accountability. Together, we are called to fellowship. And all of these things come together to draw us closer to God. And it might seem counterintuitive, but, but the, one of the ways in which our intimacy with God grows is not by us only being alone all the time and with him, but it's by us being together and growing together closer to him. It doesn't mean we're all going to be best friends and know every intimate detail about each other, but it does mean that we need each other and every one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even the annoying ones, sometimes to know God more and to know him better. So I'm going to read a long passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and where Paul identifies this and he really calls this out and it starts in verse 12, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. When Paul writes about this, he's talking about the church. He's talking about us. He's talking about us gathered, gathered, gathered together. And one thing is clear, we're all different. We're all different parts of the body. We all play different roles in our lives, but not one of us are less valuable to the other. For Christmas this year, we got a couple different puzzles. One of the kids got a 500-piece puzzle, which is not, not that daunting. And we put that together kind of uh, just after Christmas when, when we got it. We had it on the kitchen table. But it's one of those uh, 3D puzzles, not, not 3D. Like the picture is 3D. So, you know, it takes a little bit of effort and time to put that together. So we're working on it at different times and, and putting that together. And we got so close to the end. And we were there, bright, brand new puzzle, by the way, right out of the box. It even was in a plastic bag inside the box. So, you know, you know everything, everything's set, ready to go. So, so we're there, and we're putting the last pieces in and figuring out where, where they go and all that kind of stuff. And there's one piece left. And so uh, my son, Seth, it was his puzzle. So he's like, I really, I, I want to put that last piece, puzzle piece in. And was like, oh, cool, you know, because I was, I was in there working, and, and we were having a great time. So, all right, sure, there's one, one puzzle piece right there in the middle, just, just that one gap so we know exactly where it goes. So he goes to put that puzzle piece in that spot. There's no more puzzle pieces. Brand new puzzle, we're missing the last piece, goes right in the middle, right in, in like a significant part of, of the picture that's right there. No puzzle piece, and I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe a cat ate it. I, I, who, who knows what happened to that, that puzzle piece? Maybe it knocked it out of the way. I, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what happened. But we had put all that time and all that effort into that puzzle, and we were stuck without that one piece. And it was, it was infuriating. You know, we were, no, I'm just kidding. We, we weren't, like, deeply angered or disturbed or anything like that. But it's just one of those, like, oh, man. Because it's not like the puzzle stopped being the puzzle. I mean, it still existed, but it was just obvious that there was a piece missing. And it wasn't so much that it was just a piece that was right out of the middle. It could have been an edge piece, and you just still would have seen that gnarly edge, you know, that gap right there where you knew that puzzle piece uh, belonged. Why does that matter so much? I mean, it matters to me. Some of you are, are like chaotic, you know, good or evil or however that works. You know, you're like, oh, I don't care if all the puzzle pieces are there. I, you know, it's just fine. We'll put it away. Why does it matter so much for all the puzzle pieces to be there? Because it takes every piece put together for that puzzle to be complete. It doesn't stop being a puzzle, but it's, it's not what it's supposed to be without the missing pieces. We're all made in the image of God. 
And when we put together, we create an image because not one of us encompasses, encapsulates all of the character and nature of God on our own. So when we're brought together, we create a picture of who God is. And, and when one of us is missing, when we're missing someone out of that puzzle in our life, again, we're not just talking about Sunday morning. We're, we're talking about in the body life of the church and how we live out our relationship with each other. When a piece is missing, we miss out on the bigger picture. And so Paul's analogy of, of this body, right, I kind of, you know, used another metaphor, mixed, mixed the metaphors a little bit, but I, I think it gives us an easier picture because when we, when we look at the body, we, we know, oh, well, we can adapt. And there are things that we can do when our body doesn't function, and we can cover it up pretty well. I mean, I've got long sleeve shirt, jeans, shoes, you know, you have no idea what's going on behind these clothes, right? And we're all, everybody said amen, you know, we're very thankful, thankful for that. Um, but if any of us, any of our body parts aren't functioning it sticks out like a missing puzzle piece. Not one of us can say to the other, you are not needed because all of us move in conjunction with the other when it comes to reflecting the image of God in our lives. And when we do that, when we all do come together and we're involved in one another's lives, if we don't look at ourselves as, in, you know, as not being valuable to other people, and when we do that, when we see that value of drawing together, we draw closer to God. One of the many examples in which this is modeled in the New Testament comes from Mark chapter 2, and we're going to put that on the background. Some of you are familiar with this story where you've got uh, some men who come together, four of them that are carrying their friend who's uh, paralyzed. They go to where Jesus is. It's packed. There's a ton of people. They go to the house, which would have had a flat roof made of, made of dirt, um, and they dig out a hole in the roof to lower this man into Jesus because they had faith that his life would be changed as a result of that. When they do this, and Jesus had been healing people, and so I, maybe one of the primary things they were hoping for is that Jesus would heal their friend. When Jesus sees him, he says in verse 5, Son, your sins are forgiven. And if you keep reading, you find out that Jesus actually does end up healing the man, but not because that was more important than forgiving his sins. It's just a way to prove to the people around the religious elite that he had the authority to forgive sins. And this group of at least four men brought this paralyzed man, this friend in faith, to Jesus, expectant that something would happen that would change their lives. And yes, the miracle happened, but what was internally more valuable was that Jesus showed faith, that, that, the, that the faith that they showed in Jesus resulted in the consequences of sin and death being removed from their friend's life and their lives. This is something that they pursued and discovered and celebrated together. This is something that their friend who is paralyzed could have never made happen on his own. And that's what we do for and with one another. When we are in community, when we are part of the body, and living out our lives of faith together. To me, it's a little microcosm of the church and what it looks like and why we assemble together wherever and whenever. Two ways our community with God is better in community with each other. First is we encourage one another in our faith. You look at the last couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 and 25 and 26. Um, you know, that community that we're called to have. One part suffers, all the part suffers. And one part celebrates, all the parts suffering. Not, not, you know, we're brought together in unity. Not one part is more valuable than the other. We all need each other to function as a healthy part of the body. We encourage one another. Whether you not are in the highest of highs in your journey of faith, whether you are at the lowest of lows in your journey of faith, we are there for one another, and we are the stronger for it. When I have my doubts, when I struggle, when I'm anxious, when I don't know what to do, I go to my best friends, who are all disciples of Jesus, 
and happen to be in ministry as well, which is just kind of an added bonus because they see uh, my unique life experience, their faith sustains me. That's just how it works. When I have something to celebrate, when I have something excited that I'm excited about, I go to them because they are my social media. We joke about this all the time. They're real life social media uh, for each other. They celebrate with me. I totally understand when people have experiences with others that hurt their faith. I, I get that that happens. I have them too. But every time when I wonder, however, about why that happens, and sometimes the people that I'm closest to you know, hurt, hurt me in that, the people around me who practice their faith lift me up and carry me to the place where I'm encouraged again to take it back up. The second thing we do is we encourage those who don't have faith yet. As disciples of Jesus within a faith community, we model the community and the intimacy of relationship that God desires to have with everyone, with all of humanity. It's the, the desire that all of humanity is wired for, that communion and, and community and intimacy with God. And when we put it into practice as the body, we reflect the will of God that there's a place for everyone, that everyone is a valuable part of the body. We need each other's faith to draw, to draw closer to God. And so don't ever sell yourself short in this regard. Don't ever think, it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going just to, to, you know, experience the thing that I want to experience. No, you are an invaluable part of the puzzle. You are an invaluable part of the body that we need in our lives, that people in your life need to reflect God in your story of faith. So take the next step. Be engaged with the community of God, whatever that looks like. There might be something that you think of in your work, in your school, in your, at your gym, at your church, in your small group. Take that next step of being in relationship with others. Come a little bit earlier to church, maybe, so you can talk with other people. Stay a little bit later, go out to lunch. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not today, unless you're feeling really brave, you know, with the snow, snow coming down. Join a small group. Take some time to meet with some fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who need that encouragement to know that they have somebody that's there with them that can bolster and strengthen and encourage, encourage them. The more your community grows with people of faith, the more your faith in and with God will grow. Let's pray. God, we thank you for each other. And we thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that we're not going through life, having to figure things out and uh, with our own perspective, that we have um, you working in the lives of others to show us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. God, we thank you for the ways that we encourage each other, we strengthen one another, we build each other up, that, um, that we prov even provide accountability to one another. God, I thank you so much for the people who are on, in my life who are following you and how much that strengthens and encourages my faith. God, we praise you for the way that you draw us together in community through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.